Welcome to the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction, Tuesday, June 23rd, 2015, the 6th of Tammuz, 5775. I'm Mayor Fertig. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for staying tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, another edition of JM and AM just passed, and now the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction. We've got an interesting show planned for today. Coming up, we'll speak with Rabbi Yosef Grossman. He's the Senior Rabbinic Coordinator and the Director of Kashrut Education at OU Kosher. And uh, there are some very, very interesting programs available to the public and to people people who are studying for Abanus and so forth uh, that are being put on by OU Kosher and we're going to look at one of the we're going to look at one in particular and then take a quick survey of some of the others that's coming up and we're going to look at the new edition of Jewish Action the very provocative headline on the cover when leaders fail healing from rabbinic scandal that's coming up as well but first some music why don't we start with Baruch Levine from his album Chasan HaTorah and this is the title track you're listening to the OU presents the Jewish Reaction on the Nachum Siegel Network. Let's 
From the album Kashoshana, that was Shuvi Nafshi. Before that, Avraham Yagel Yitzi Spinner from his album You and I on Hassan Hatora, the title track of Baruch Levine's album by that name. I guess that was a little bit redundant, but you get my meaning. You're listening to the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction on the Nachum Siegel Network for Tuesday, June 23, 2015, the 6th of Tammuz, 5775. Ellie Hagler, who has been hosting this show for so long, is uh, in the process of uh, moving to Cincinnati. You ever hear of anybody moving to Cincinnati? But Ellie Hagler and his family are moving to Cincinnati, and we wish them a lot of luck and uh, mazel. And uh, thank goodness Ellie is still working with us here at the OU. But the poor guy's going to be, I mean, but he's going to be in Cincinnati. Uh, my name is Mayor Fertig, and I certainly appreciate you spending some time with us here on the Nachum Siegel Network this morning. Uh, my guest is an exceptionally interesting individual who runs some very, very important programs for the Orthodox Union. His name is Rabbi Yosef Grossman. He is the Senior Rabbinic Coordinator and Director of Kashrus Education for OU Kosher. Rabbi Grossman, welcome to the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction. Thank you very much much, Mayor. It is, to be here. Uh, it is a pleasure to have you here. Um, we uh, put out a press release from the OU uh, just a couple of days, uh, about a week ago, I guess, at this point. Um, the headline is, Sold Out, Ask OU Guided Tour of OU Kosher Meat Production Fills Up Before It's Announced. Now, this isn't, you know, this isn't a movie premiere or something like that. That's an amazing, amazing thing to have happened, wasn't it? Yes, it certainly was. We weren't expecting it, but it happened. We put up a few signs in Yeshiva Tarvadas and in Lakewood, and by word of mouth, uh, within two or three days, the entire program was filled, uh, and uh, we have a long waiting list. Wow. We hope to run uh, these uh, tours in the future as well. 
but meanwhile, we we sold out before we were able to officially <laughs> advertise. So the OU OU Kosher runs many educational programs, and we'll circle back and we'll touch on some of those. But first, let's let's talk about what this program is and the people who did get in. What are they going to learn from it? Okay, th- uh, this uh, program was actually spearheaded by Rabbi Moshe Klarberg, who's mm-hmm. the senior rabbinic coordinator. He's the head of the OU's meat team. And um, he actually, as a result of our Ask OU training program, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, happens every two years, we have uh, one year for men and the following year for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I'm on the subject, the women's program will be this uh, uh, August, the last week of August. I, uh uh, but um, as a result of the success of the tour that goes to Empire mm-hmm. uh, every two years with the men, uh, Rabbi Klarberg felt that uh, uh, we should have it on a yearly basis. And, and by the outpouring of interest, we might have it even more than once a year. Seems like he made a good guess there. That's right. He hit a home run. So this is a program to train mashkichim. This is a program to train, train rabbis. Specifically, who's the target audience? Well, this uh, particular Meet the Tour program mm-hmm. is to train uh, uh, kolel, uh, b'nei kolel, who are studying uh, Shechita mm-hmm. and Yeridea, the, the laws of uh, kosher ritual slaughtering, right. and uh, this is to give them a uh, hands-on experience in uh, so that it's not just a, a textbook uh, learning, but they see the actual practical application. Right. We're so far removed from meat production, from food production, all of us, really. Right. You know, if you ask the average little kid, where does, you know, an artichoke come from? I mean, he's probably going to say the supermarket. Right. So this seems like it's a really, really important program, not just for Mashkichim, but for people who may one day be congregational rabbis and so forth. So th- this this group mm-hmm. is, uh, as I said, people who have learned the uh, Chulun and Yerdea, but mm-hmm. in the future we uh, plan perhaps, uh, you know, to have uh, uh, rabbis, congregational rabbis, uh, and other Jewish leaders who may be interested in the tour as well. So from what you just said, I, I think I understand that you're saying that the average congregational rabbi, a person studying for smicha and going out to be a shul rabbi, does not necessarily learn all of the in-depth halachos of kashras. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? No, he, I think uh, what I was trying to say is they, they may have learned it, but mm-hmm. they, they learned it on a theoretical uh. Uh, basis, and this gives them a chance to see it in real life. Right. Once you see it like this, you're not likely to forget it. It's, right. It's obviously very graphic. Yes, certainly. Um, so they're going to they're gonna see what from, from well, slaughter then, through... It's a three-day program. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the first day will be at the OU headquarters in New York City, right. where they will uh, hear lectures from experts in the field, both the OU's experts and the uh, other uh, partner agencies uh, that work with us in in meat preparation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be the first day. The second day, we'll be going out to Mifflinton, Pennsylvania, to the Empire right. Poultry. I've been there. Okay, it's a fa- it's a, f- a fascinating uh, facility. The entire facility is based on uh, halacha. Mm-hmm. On, on, it's it's as you know it's a remarkable thing to see and then the third day will be uh closer to new york city which is in newark new jersey that's real kosher uh where they um uh, prepare uh, meat 
and they, uh, the participants will have an opportunity to see uh, salting of meat, malicha, mm-hmm. and nicker, deveining. So that, that's what we plan to show them on the third day. Very interesting. Is there actual slaughter being done in that area anymore? No, not in the, not to my knowledge, there is none. No. I remember in uh, when I was in, I think, tenth grade at MTA, they took us to uh, to a schlachthaus, to a slaughterhouse for gassos for large animals, and I think it was either in Elizabeth or Newark. Uh-huh. And uh, for I, somebody told me that the facility that used to be the slaughterhouse is like a storage facility today. Yeah, or I think the closest to New York today is yeah. uh, Baltimore, Maryland, but really? mostly it's uh, Midwest. You know, Midwest or South uh, or in or in uh, South America. Right, right. I, I can tell you uh, to our listeners when I was the publisher of the Jewish Star years ago, I did a profile. I, I wrote a story about where your kosher chicken comes from. And I went out to the Mifflintown plant at Empire, and it it is I mean obviously it's a little graphic, but it's it's fascinating. The main thing that I took I took many things away from it, but one real thing that really stuck with me is that along the production line, after after the the bird is slaughtered and it's being processed, the kosher inspectors, I guess the OU personnel, took more birds off the production line and disposed of them than the USDA people did. Yeah, which is remarkable. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that is correct. So uh, it was uh, that was a very very interesting. Uh, I, you have to see that. You could see my if you want to if you're interested, you could Google the story that I wrote. Um, I'm not I'm not sure exactly how to advise you you know right now to Google it, but uh, I think if you Google it with my name and uh, the Jew M A Y E R F E R T I G the Jewish Star, and uh, the headline was something like where your kosher chicken comes from or something. There might have been a bad pun about feathers in there. I don't remember, but uh, but it, it's on the internet and it really was an interesting story. There have been other stories written as well. If you don't find mine, you'll find somebody else's. But it's really um, it's it was very interesting. Um, okay, so this is the uh, the kosher meat production. Um, program that was sold out before it was even formally announced. Uh, so what, 20, 20 or so people involved right. in it, um, and that will be done again. So if there are any, you know, future, um, you know, any any colo people listening or any future congregational rabbis, yeah. there will be opportunities in the future, God willing, uh, to get this education from the OU. What are some of the other? Um, specialty, you know, high-level educational programs that the OU runs for people who are going to be communal leaders, who are going to be rabbinim and so forth. I just might point out that uh, we had a medical doctor who uh, mm-hmm. who was interested in... Uh, really? Yeah, he was interested in learning about Nicker. He had to retire from the medical practice due to illness, mm-hmm. but uh, he uh, he's learning with a chavrusa, with a study partner, yeah. and he, unfortunately, we were sold out, and but we told him right. we'll put him on the waiting list. So he wants to become a traverer? He, I think so, yeah. He wants to pr- and practice to uh, become a wow. de-vainer. Maybe yes. he can get a T-bone steak. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay. Anyway, concerning, I, I yeah. might point out we're in our 19th year. We began this in 1996. Mm-hmm. And we. I should give a lot of credit to uh, someone who considers himself the... The Zayda, the grandfather of uh, the Ask OU programs, that's uh, Dr. Simcha Katz, mm-hmm. who was very instrumental in the formation of Ask OU. By the way, I should also point out that um, all our programs are funded by the Harry H. Barron Foundation right. of New Jersey. We thank them. We thank them. Uh, they do a tremendous uh, job uh, year after year. Um, and... Um, 
the uh, ASCOU is an acronym for Advanced Seminars on Kashrus. Uh, and we started out with a training program, um, which had two levels. One was a three-week intense program uh, just for Smicha students mm-hmm. and for people learning in Kolel. And then we had uh, a one-week program, which was for uh, con- congre- congregational rabbis, um, uh, people, who, rabbis who were already part of a Vad Hakashrus in a uh, community, mm-hmm. and they, they wanted to fine-tune their skills. Sure. So uh, they were all uh, included in, in that one-week program. We've already had over, I would say, 850 graduates uh, through the years. Wow. You're listening to the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Fertig. My guest is Rabbi Yosef Grossman. He is the Senior Rabbinic Coordinator and Director of Kashrus Education at OU Kosher. And you're telling us about some of the higher-level programs for, as you just said, for congregational rabbis, people on Vadim of Kashrus and so right. forth. And then we had, a, a few years ago, we had a demand by uh, women to that they would also like to experience sure. some advanced uh, kosher seminars. And we have provided that. We've, we're already up to our fourth uh, advanced seminars for women. So that's eight years into a cycle, I guess. We do a one, that, one right, on one, one, one That's correct. Uh, and uh, we began uh, last year, we began Ask OU Skype, or now uh, some people prefer Google. Google Hangout. Right. So, yeah. uh, But uh, the idea is that we've been able, we started with Melbourne, Australia, uh, Kolel run happens to be by my brother-in-law, Rabbi Binyamin Wurzberger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had 10 uh, lectures, 10 shiurim of the OU experts every week, wow. a different every time a different expert. This went over a span of approximately a year and a half, these 10 uh, lectures, and they were, uh, the community was invited in Melbourne right. to attend uh, not only the Kolel itself, we went on to a, uh, a elementary school in Norfolk, Virginia, mm-hmm. and we just completed uh, two uh, sessions uh, in Cincinnati. You spoke about Cincinnati right. at the beginning of the program. Ellie Hagler, so, are you listening? You right. can learn about Kashrus now. <laughs> That's right. So we had two uh, two sessions there. In fact, uh, the organizer of the two Skype in Cincinnati was an ASCOU graduate. Mm-hmm who uh, remains very close to us. Right. And I might point out a lot of our graduates have gone on to uh, take on uh, uh, positions in Kashrus uh, throughout, not only uh, for the OU, but uh, throughout uh, Kashrus globally. Right. Uh, one of our missions is uh, to educate people so that it's not only the OU that gains, but the whole Kashrus infrastructure uh, gains from these programs. It takes a tremendous amount of manpower to do what OU Kosher does, I guess. We, do we get any overtime? Do we, have we gotten any mashkichim out of these programs? Yes. I mean, we have been. We have on our staff, I think, I there were six uh, Ask OU graduates who became rabbinic coordinators who are serving uh, in a rabbinic coordinator function here in the OU headquarters wow. from that. So we've gained as well. Uh, plus, we have mashgichim, uh, uh, or as we call them, rabbinic uh, field representatives, mm-hmm. RFRs, uh, also from the program. And we have serviced many other kashrus agencies, uh, and we're happy to strengthen kashrus uh, all over. Right. Um, and part of this uh, has been ASCOU educational materials. 
uh, videos, DVDs, manuals, right. uh, which we offer to the public. Right, freely. And, you know, I mean, it's... You know, it's not like we're hiding, you know, trade secrets no, here. No, our, our yeah. mission is to be transparent, and everyone right. can open up a manual and see exactly what the OU's positions are on any given uh, subject. I will, I will tell you, though, and this is interesting, people, should, people might think this is an easy field. Um, at one point, we needed to reprint the book on the, the manual on the oil industry. So I decided... It, my job. I'm going to take a crack at editing a little bit. I had noticed a couple that maybe a you know a little typo or something. I decided I'm going to take a little shot at cleaning it up a little bit. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, it's all chemistry. So I didn't do that well in chemistry. So I decided I'm going to leave this alone. <laughs> I'm not going to touch this. But you know, food food uh, science has become so complex today uh, that a science background for many of our uh, many of our personnel is really uh, really important. That's true. I mean, uh, the the OU is able to uh, bring together uh, experts who are knowledgeable in Torah, but they're able to apply it to the latest in technology. Right. And that's what you really need to have a superior uh, kosher organization. We also have a program, Visit OU, mm-hmm. where uh, schools, camps, high schools, elementary, come to the OU uh, to, and you know, we... Uh, we have a rabbi addressing them. We show them a video, take a tour of the OU, right. and uh, that's usually a very uh, enjoyable uh, educational experience for them. And uh, finally, we have a uh, publication that's called Dafa Kashrus. Mm-hmm. I uh, have the good fortune to serve as the editor. We're in our 23rd year, and this is something, a publication that goes globally around the world uh, to uh, other uh, Bethdens. Uh, Poskim, Dayanim, consumers. What, what we've just started recently, approximately a year and a half ago, is the Dafakashras consumer edition. And right. Whereas the regular Dafakashras is, uh, as you mentioned, technical, and it's for our rabbis in the field to be on the cutting edge of uh, uh, kosher uh, knowledge. But this uh, consumer edition, which we give out in the New York metropolitan area, right. it's geared f- uh, for consumers and issues that uh, they would be interested in. Right. And it's available online also, right? It's, it's, a, on, it's on yes. OU.org. It should be on OUKosher.org as well. I believe so, yes. Uh, but if you go to OU.org, you're gonna, you'll find what you need. Um, so that's very, very interesting. So uh, just how do people get in touch with you? Let's just delineate. You mentioned there are two levels of programs. Obviously, there's a high-level professional and rab- rabbi level, and then there's... Excuse me, there were programs for elementary and high schools right. and camps. And uh, your colleague, Rabbi Eli Elif, runs that aspect of it. So how do people get in touch with you, and how do people get in touch with Rabbi Elif? Well, the the best way would be uh, my email, which is uh, grossman at ou.org. Uh, or uh, for Rabbi Elif, it's uh, E-L-E-F-F-E at ou.org. Very good. Uh, and we'll be happy to service uh, anyone. And uh, we uh, we had to bring Rabbi Elif aboard. Uh, I was doing it all myself, but uh, just the uh, demand. Pr- almost uh, daily demand for programs uh, of all kinds that people call us up with. So we decided to bring Rabbi Elif aboard uh, and to split the, uh, the workload. Right. 
for the benefit of uh, Kalal Yisrael. Very good. So if you'd like to find out about Ask OU or OU uh, educational programs, you can uh, email Rabbi Grossman at Grossman, G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N, at OU.org. And specifically, if you're calling, if you're contacting us on behalf of an elementary or a high school or a camp, and you'd like to get some OU kosher education, you can be in touch with Rabbi Eli Elef, and his email is E-L-E-F-F-E at OU.org. I'll repeat that, E-L-E-F-F-E at OU.org. Rabbi Yosef Grossman, thank you very much. My pleasure. All the best to you. Same to you. Rabbi Yosef Grossman is the uh, Senior Rabbinic Coordinator and Director of Kashrut Education for OU Kosher, and uh, it, this has been a pleasure. You're listening to the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Fertig. It's Tuesday, the 23rd of June 2015, the 6th of Tammuz, and uh, let's continue. Here's Baruch Levine on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Baruch Levine from his album Chasan HaTorah. You're listening to the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction. Coming up next, we're going to speak to the editor of Jewish Action Magazine.
Aryeh Kunstler with Hashem Sfasai. I love that song. You're listening to the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's Tuesday, the 23rd of June, 2015, the 6th of Tammuz, 5775. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Mayor Fertig. Stay tuned after this on the Nachum Siegel Network Album of the Week, as chosen by Mark Zamek. Then live lunch with ZK from 11 to 1. The Tuesday Music Mix from 1 o'clock. On and then nine at nine tonight with Yussi Zweig. You don't want to miss that. And if you haven't voted yet for the nine at nine, go to the uh, NahumSiegel.com homepage and you can place your vote and be part of the fun. My guest now, we turn to uh, Nahama Carmel. She is the editor of Jewish Action Magazine. I should say the award-winning editor of Jewish Action Magazine. Nahama, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So four years in a row. Uh, Jewish Action has uh, submitted its work to the Rock Hour Awards, which are uh, which are awarded by the American Jewish Press Association. And four years in a row, note I said four years in a row, Jewish Action Magazine has been honored in a significant way by the by the awards. Yes, we're we're very proud of that. You and, should be. Um, yeah, I mean it's always. Um, it's always very tricky to figure out, you know, which article to submit. Mm-hmm. Um, the AJPA is um, a very broad organization. Right. As an orthodox publication, you know, we try to be sensitive to, you know, the the, the broader Jewish community. Right. Um, so, um, so thank God the AJPA acknowledges that um, that we we have uh, some really excellent material, and uh, we're very proud of it. Good. And it really is excellent. And I think that this issue, which is just out now, uh, the summer 5775 2015 issue of Jewish Action, is going to be similarly award-winning, perhaps uh, more so even than anything that's come before. I know that uh, those of us on the editorial board have, have discussed among ourselves this may be one of the strongest issues that we have ever published. Uh, the cover of the magazine is When Leaders Fail, Healing from Rabbinic Scandal. There have been so many so many painful, difficult stories to contemplate in the media. We don't have to go into details about any of them. Everybody knows what we're talking about or knows of most of them for sure. How on earth do you approach such a sensitive subject, Nakama? Well, you know, the, the, the impetus for this was, you know, we didn't want to deal with this issue the way the rest of the media was really dealing with it, talking about the specific cases. Mm-hmm. Our approach was like, how do we, how do we uh, help congregants and communities Hope with this from a psychological, spiritual, religious point of view. How mm-hmm. do you overcome the trauma of this kind of uh, of a scandal? Right. Okay. So we approach Rabbi Breidowitz. Right. Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak Breidowitz. Rabbi Yitzchak Breidowitz, the, the former um, rabbi of the Woodside Synagogue in, in Silver Spring, Maryland, mm-hmm. um, who now has made Aliyah, and, and I think he, um, he he's currently a, 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 at Arsameach, mm-hmm. among many other uh, teaching um, uh, jobs positions, that he has, yeah. positions that he holds. But um, Rabbi Breidowitz has a, a rare combination. He is... He's psychological, he's spiritual, he's remarkably deep. I think he just had everything. And, and, and initially, he really rejected our offer. He did not want to write this piece. You know, it, it's, it's kryptonite. A, it's a very difficult piece to write. Right. But um, Baruch Hashem, in the end, he did agree, and he came out with the six thousand or more than six thousand i think it's six thousand words without the footnotes right and there are 42 footnotes <laughs> notice i remember the number yes um and you're probably um, seeing it in your sleep and you know this is a very long article even for us we, we right. do publish lengthy pieces but this is pretty long even by our standards 
But we thought it, it's such an extraordinary piece. It's such a brilliant essay, yeah. and it's going to bring it's going to be helpful for so many people on so many levels. We're going to go with it. We got a letter to the editor that said, uh, or somebody recounted an experience where somebody asked if he had read it, and he said, "Read it. I'm studying it." Exactly. Actually, that happened to me. I was, oh, that was your yeah. I was in shul, and right. um, one of the congregants came over to me, and we were talking about the issue. Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, did you read the piece?" And he said, "Well, I'm not reading it. I'm studying it." He was literally taking section by section and right. going through it, and you know, I felt the same way. I read. I must have read the piece, you know, and working on it, I don't know, half a dozen times, if right. not, probably more than that, maybe a dozen times. Right. But every time I walk away with a new insight because it, 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 you read it and you feel it, it, it's comforting, it's consoling, you, it, it helps you understand how can it be when a religious leader falters? How is it? How can that happen? Mm-hmm. It's, it can shatter your faith when something like that happens. Absolutely. But reading a piece like this says, you know what? It's not the end of the world. You know, even rabbis are human, and the Torah mm-hmm. makes allowances for that, and it does happen. Right. And he cites some historical examples of that, and um, it's really a remarkable essay. Right. Not because we published it, it's right. a remarkable it, it, essay. No, it really is. And, and I just want to emphasize, in case somebody is wondering, this is not about brushing something under the carpet. This right. is about confronting it head on, nose to nose. Right, It's right. very, very, very upfront and direct. Exactly. But I, I think that the piece is that Rabbi Breidowitz is speaking to congregants and communities. He's mm-hmm. not speaking... He's not speaking to the rabbis per se. He's not speaking to. He, he's really trying to offer people comfort. Right. Yeah. And he did a really amazing job. Um, some of the other, uh, some of the other articles that are in this issue. Uh, uh, b- by the way, there is a companion piece to Rabbi Breidowitz's piece, uh, "Rabbis at Risk: What Can Be Done." There were some practical issues in there that were addressed by Barbara Ben Susan. Yes, Barbara Ben Susan. She's um, she's written for us many times. She's an excellent writer. And there's also a piece by Avram Gordimer. Avram Gordimer interviews um, Rabbi Herschel Schachter and, and asks him, you know, halacha, you know, what do we do from a halachic point of view in terms of, um, you know, how do we handle the piske halacha right. of, uh, of of rabbis who are fallen? What do we right. do with those? With those, are we allowed to study their svarim? Mm-hmm. Are we, so um, I, I think a lot of people will find that enlightening right. as well. And re- with some quali- there are some details to this, some nuance, but Rav Schechter basically said no. Yeah, he says no. Uh, <laughs> but, so. he, but there are nuances. He says no, depending yeah. on you know when and if you know what happened right, exactly. and so on. It's very interesting. You really, if you haven't read it, you really should read it. Uh, the magazine is available in many shuls. Uh, OU Shuls. It's also, of course, available on our website. You can go to ou.org or uh, Jewish Action uh, with an underscore in there, right? Jewish underscore. It's www.ou.org and then um, slash Jewish Action. Jewish um, Jewish underscore action. Yeah, but you you can go to the go to the homepage. You'll see it. You don't even have to put in that whole thing. Just go to ou.org and you can click on Jewish Action. Uh, there are some really uh, some other very excellent uh, uh, items in this uh, summer 2015 issue of Jewish Action. First of all, there's something that could have been, there's a whole section that could have been a cover story on its own. Right. And that is 10 years after the disengagement from Gush Katif. Right. That, that for sure, in any publication, could have been a cover package. That is exactly the case. So we approached um, also one of our one of our writers, uh, Toby Klein Greenwald, and we asked her to um, find a number of people who uh, experienced the, the disengagement mm-hmm. and see where are they today, 10 years later. What was it like for them? So what she decided to do is she focused on young people. 
right. people who were relatively young during the time and see how did they handle it. And, and she, I think she really winded up picking a nice selection of, of different people, women, men. And um, and it's fascinating to read their stories. What was it like as a kid to right. lose your home? It was such a, anybody who remembers it obviously knows how heartbreaking the whole episode was, no matter Very what time of the political, you know, what, whatever political position you might have ascribed to as to whether this was a good idea or a bad idea. Um, uh, you know, a necessary evil, an absolute imperative. You know, there were all sorts of uh, views on this, but uh, it, it didn't work out that well, obviously. Israel's fought several wars since then. Right. And there's so many families were broken and otherwise harmed. Um, and the... The uh, the job that she did was just uh, was just remarkable. Right, but the, the, but she also emphasizes in her piece that you know they are rebuilding. Mm -hmm. These are people who are very determined, courageous people. Ten years later, mm -hmm. for the most part, these people have rebuilt their lives, and some of them, and they rebuild in communities. A lot of the communities have been rebuilt in different parts of Eretz Yisrael. Right. Um, so that's really interesting. I think there's 23 rebuilt communities, and mm -hmm. they, they a lot of them stuck together. They wanted it rebuilt as a community. Right. So it's it's remarkable, their faith, their persistence. It's very remarkable. There, there was one story in there that still gives me chills when I think about it. Um, somebody who... Uh, who had been uh, a child of Gush Etzion and who, who walked into a room at a particularly Hanan opportune Pura. time. Yes. yes. I, I still get chills when I think about the, the timing of that and how, that and how yeah. somebody was saying uh, that uh, Gush Katif will, will, be, will rebuilt. be rebuilt and the, these children who are being evacuated now will return. That's right. And that's that's what happened with, in the Gush Etzion, you know, in, in the, the Gush Etzion story. It's right. just a remarkable So history thing. does repeat itself, and uh, you never know. They, right, they, exactly. You never know. But um, another profile that she did is also the, the profile of, of Rabbi Ramon. Mm -hmm. Now, Rabbi Ramon, such a special person. I mean, I, I learned about him through this uh through this actual article. Right. I, mean, I did hear of him before, but I, I really got to know him through this article. So it seems that he, um, in the aftermath of this engagement, so many were unemployed. So many of the right. of the uh, refugees were unemployed. Forget about homeless, but just the, the lack of work, so depressing right. and, and, and shattering for not families. To, not to mention the lack of income. I and mean, the lack of income. Families, you know, income for the most part, you know, just went away. In many cases, went up in smoke after they left. That's right. Greenhouses and so forth. So this man seems to have single-handedly, you know, given these people back their lives just by helping them, giving them a sense of pride, giving them a job, helping them. For many of them, they had to just learn a new business again or just right. set up a business. You know, if, if you're over a certain age and they didn't have the education, mm -hmm. business was the way to go because a lot of them were farmers. If they were farmers in, in, in Gush Katif, I mean... You can't exactly start farming in uh, in Tel Aviv, right? Or you know, so um, he really. So it's very emotional. A lot of these pieces are very emotional. They're very personal, mm -hmm. and um, it gives you insight into what these people went through, but also how they are rebuilding. So I wouldn't say it's depressing. I would say it's actually hopeful. Right, very uplifting. My guest is Nechama Carmel, the award-winning editor of the award-winning Jewish Action Magazine of the Orthodox Union. And uh, you're listening to the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction. It's Tuesday, the 23rd of June, 2015, the 6th of Tammuz. My name is Mayor Fertig. Thank you for spending some time with us this morning. And, uh, Nechama, there is also uh, uh, an article that I loved a lot was uh, When Books Can Speak, A Glimpse into the World of Sfarim Collecting. Yeah. Tell us about that. So, you know, th that's a bit for people who are interested in, mm -hmm. in Jewish history. It's really remarkable how... Sfarim can tell not just about, 
you know, the actual safer, but about Jewish history. Um, and this this Eligenauer, who happens to, um, he's, I think he, he's he's well connected to the OU, but he, he also happens to be this really passionate farm collector. Mm-hmm. And he's been collecting these farms from all over the world. And each story, uh, you know, each safer that he sends us actually has its own story. So, for example, there's one safer. Um, it was owned by this man who who lived in um, in Alaska in the 1900s. Yeah. yeah, but he was he was really Jewish. He he right. really religious to whatever extent. I mean he he insisted on being. His family buried him in. Uh, I think they had to travel by boat yeah, to bury him in a cemetery. Jewish cemetery. I mean that just talks about how it speaks about how committed they were, even though they did live in in in, in Alaska well, where there was really no Jewish community. Right. Well, there were so many people in America back then who lived in far flung places, but you know that didn't uh, that did not necessarily diminish their own commitment. Right. So, but this really this showed it, and we Alaska's have a monster. a little far afield. A little far afield, and, and we do have a monster. Um, you know, he, he inscribed his own name in it, so it's 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 pretty interesting. And then there's also Bela Sheva Brenner. Mm-hmm. Um, she interviews Rabbi Elazar Katzman, who's a passionate farm collector. He has mm-hmm. a lot to say about farm collecting. Great anecdotes. Great anecdotes. Really, some very interesting anecdotes about. Um, the svarim that were um, smuggled out of Russia right. during the Cold War, things I really never heard of before. So um, so she did a great job with that. And, and uh, Rabbi Katzman has a lot to teach us about what makes the safer valuable. Right. It, it's fascinating. And pr- probably a lot of people listening right now have some old safer or old svarim in their house. They may not even realize what they have. Exactly. You don't know what makes a safer valuable. You know, if it if it has the uh, if it has, for example, the notes as you know, if you have a safer that was owned by Moshe Feinstein, he says, right. for example, and he ha- and it has notes by him, it's worth that much more. Right. So people may not want to part with it, but it's right, good to know that it's valuable. Part. Exactly. Right. And then there's a review uh, by Rabbi Gil Student of a book by Akiva Aronson called "People of the Book: 500 Years of the Hebrew Book from the Beginning of Printing until the 20th Century." So when this book came to the office, it's a beautiful book. It's like mm-hmm. a coffee table book. Um, I really didn't want to part with it and send it to the reviewer. It was that beautiful. <laughs> but I did. And that's part of my job. Did and you get it back? I got another copy. Oh, okay, <laughs> I good. got myself another copy. It was too beautiful. <laughs> it's a very interesting book, learning about the history of Jewish printing. Jews have always been so learned mm-hmm. and so literate, even at a time when most of the population around them, they were not literate. Right. So the, the early printing houses seemed to really cater to the Jewish population because they knew that's that's who was reading. This is the most fascinating part of this. It's on page 22 of the issue. Could I, I'll read, I'll paraphrase a paragraph. Yeah. Printing was developed in Germany, but Jews were excluded from the industry by the local guilds. However, when the technology made its way to Italy, Spain, and Portugal, Hebrew printing exploded. This is the important part. The first 50 years of printing, from 1450 to 1500, during that time period, there were 29 active Hebrew printing shops. And here's the punchline. Those represented nearly one-fifth of all known printers at the time. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. unbelievable. And that's why we're called the people of the book. That's exactly why. And, you know, a lot of the printing houses where they print Gemaras, they were not owned by Jews. They were owned by non-Jews. And here they were printing Gemaras. Because there's a market. Yeah, I mean, it's um, the book is beautiful. I, I really enjoy the book. I'm, I'm, I'm going through it slowly at home. <laughs> Fascinating. Nechama Carmel, thank you very, very much. 
Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It is the latest issue of Jewish Action, the summer 5775-2015 issue. When Leaders Fail, Healing from Rabbinic Scandal was the cover. It is excellent. If you can get your hands on a copy, please do so. I strongly recommend it. And uh, you can uh, also get uh, subscription information to Jewish Action from the OU website. And... Uh, and uh, it wins awards year after year. Nechama Carmel is the editor. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're listening to the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction. Let's close out with a little bit of music. How about Moshe Hecht from the album The Yes Legacy? It's called God is Alive and Well in Jerusalem. Get back to California I'm gonna round up every Jew I've ever known I'm gonna sit down, right down there in front of me I'm gonna take out this guitar and sing a moldy song God is alive and well in Jerusalem, yeah People praying three times a day to him Throw away the cars and bars The stocks and bones And up loans Grab a boat or plane If need be swim See how some folks got a Lincoln Continental Dinted glass so nobody sees him just one time a light to roll down the window Say you ain't gonna fool the Lord with this hunk of tin God is alive and well in Jerusalem, yeah People praying three times a day to hell Throw away the cars and bombs, the snacks and bombs That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. My thanks to my guests, Rabbi Yosef Grossman and Nechama Carmel. This is the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction on the Nachum Siegel Network. Stay tuned. Plenty more coming up today on NSN, including Album of the Week up next. I'm Mayor Furtick. Thanks, everybody. Take care.